Good morning. Ooh, wow, that's loud. Good to be here with you. If you have your if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Matthew, chapter one. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't have a cell phone, iPad, computer, uh, anything like that, they might be able to pull up the Bible. On the back of the insert, you'll find our text for today from uh, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Uh, Again, if you will indulge me, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the Lord's Word as we hear from God's holy and inspired Word found in the book of Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. We'll read through verse 24. Hear now the Word of our Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So just a a reminder, this is tie two. (laughs) I'm working through with the Christmas ties. Uh, You guys are giving me an opportunity to wear them this year. Uh, Last year, actually, since I haven't gotten to wear these since before COVID because... Uh, first Christmas in COVID, we were online, and, and uh, uh, I had, by Christmas, had switched to wearing a clerical collar in our church just to uh, make it clear on the video who was the pastor and who wasn't. Uh, and then after COVID continued for the next couple of years wearing the clerical collar just because it was easy to decide what to wear every Sunday. Uh, uh, but so I've gone back to the tie, and I appreciate you allowing me to... Uh, fulfill my own desire anyways to, to wear my Christmas ties. So I don't know about you, and, and thank you to uh, Brennan and the, and the musicians and the vocalists uh, for singing today. I love music. Uh, you're probably like me. I don't know. You may not be, but I love music, all kinds of music, everywhere there's music. My wife is constantly telling me to shh because I hear a song in a store and I start singing along or, or I whistle along. Uh, I was watching uh, both the musicians today because I play at numerous different uh, instruments. I I play at the instruments. I'm not a master of any of them. Uh, But I love to hear of songs. This time of year, some of my favorite music. Uh, My favorite classic uh, carol is Oh Holy Night. Uh, You may have... I, uh, all of you all have have a different one. My my favorite non-classic is the uh, uh, Little Drummer Boy, Peace on Earth by David Bowie and, and Bing Crosby. Uh, few folks can think, even imagine the two of those two singing together, but they did. And I remember seeing the first time it was done, watching that on television with my family uh, when uh, back in the 70s, early 70s, uh, dating myself here. 
but I love music and I love the songs. And, and as I've been looking through scriptures, we started last week looking at the songs of Christmas and in particular, the song of the Savior that started with Gabriel's message to, to Mary. And if you remember, uh, right, uh, I shared with you that Gabriel is only named twice in the scriptures, once in the book of Daniel and in that particular passage, or actually in Luke uh, where he speaks first to Zacharias, and then he speaks to Mary. And here we're going to look at an angel's visitation with uh, Joseph. The angel in this passage is not named, but I have to assume, because every instance in which we see Gabriel, he's the messenger. And when we see Michael, the other archangel, he's the warrior, that this is also Gabriel speaking to him. We also talked about the, the prayers and songs using those words synonymously. That when we see the angels most often in Scripture, what are they doing but singing? In fact, I don't know where the image of angels and harps come from because I can't find uh, that picture anywhere in Scripture. I see lots of pictures of angels singing, but not a single one of angels playing, playing harps. And yet, most often, isn't that the picture we associate with angels? Here we see this, uh, a song that uh, has a change. And actually, we see two going on. The song that is in uh, Joseph's heart the song, and the song that is sung to him. Actually, I take that back. We see three songs because we see the song that's in Joseph's heart. We see the song that is sung to him. And in the end, we see this, the new song that Joseph begins to sing. And I want us to, to talk about that and look, about, look at that just a little bit. As we look at the passage, we can hear the song of the Savior that Joseph heard if we apply some truths that we find in our scriptures. And I want to begin by looking and, and talking about that, that first truth is that sometimes life doesn't go as we think. Look at verses 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she found she was to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So here's Mary. She probably more than likely at this point when this happens had just gotten back from visiting her, uh, her cousin Elizabeth. And if you remember from last week's passage, the angel gave her proof that he was going to do the work within her life by telling her your, your cousin Elizabeth, who she hadn't seen in a while, is six months pregnant. And that's of God too. So Mary had gone to visit. You read that in the, in the book of Luke where she goes to visit uh, Elizabeth. As she walks in, the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps. Mary sings the Magnificat, the beautiful song also. Uh, and uh, she spends time with Elizabeth. And Mary returns now, and this is where we pick it up. Mary's return back. She's uh, noticeably different She's excited about what she'd seen. She's now had confirmation that God is at work and that God has done something magnificent in her. So much so that, as I mentioned, it led her to song, to praise at the work that God has done. She's changed emotionally and then probably on the physical side is beginning to show some signs of pregnancy. Probably not at three months showing visibly, but Husbands and wives, you know some of those signs that happen in the early months of, of pregnancy. She's probably uh, dealing with morning sickness. She's probably dealing with irritability and the mood swings and the changes and all the things. Maybe even, uh, it would be early, I guess, but maybe even nesting a little bit. 
In her excitement, we have to assume that she tells Joseph about what's going on. He probably asked, Mary, something's wrong. Something's different. What's going on here? And so she tells him what the angel shared with her, what happened, her visit with Elizabeth. And Joseph now is taken aback. He's unsure. What's going on? He's stunned. First off, how can this be? How can she be with child? I've never slept with her. I mean, if you remember our little discussion, little bit of discussion last week about a betrothal, betrothal could be one to two years, not like our engagement, more strict so. And that once betrothed, you were in all sense and purposes married until the day in which that marriage was celebrated and consummated at the end of that betrothal period. And so any kind of physical relationship prior to that marriage was sinful. And if it was with somebody else, of course, that was the ultimate of the sinful. And it was worthy of death. So here's Joseph's reaction. How could she be pregnant? We have not slept with each other. He may have also thought, well, I've heard the stories of the pagan gods and humans, but never of Jehovah and humans. This is beyond my understanding. And then the questions that get to his own heart. What's my family going to say when they learn about this? What's the community going to say when they learn about this? What do I do with all of this? This is more than I can handle. As we find here that, that picture here, Joseph struggling with what to do. And, and we read, and being a just man, in some, uh, some of your translations, it may just read just. Being just, speaking to who he was. Where here speaks a little bit broader about who he was, but also how he carried himself. Was he a man of justice? And if he was a man of justice, now in his mind he's saying, well, if I'm going to uphold the justice of the Lord, then I have to uphold the law. And if I have to uphold the law, that means I have to let others know. And if I let others know, then Mary's going to die. And if we can't point out anybody else who has been with Mary, then I may die too. For the law says the two were to be put to death. But he, obvious as we read through this, he loved Mary and wanted to do what's right. And so the just part of him also in his heart is say, let me do the right thing by Mary. And he could, he had a couple choices. You know, he could send her away or, or, or whatnot. But it, it was a wrestling that he was going through. For Joseph, he was realizing this betrothal thing is not going like I expected it to. Who was Joseph? Just so we can uh, understand this better. Joseph was the common man. He was you and me. A carpenter. As many of you know, I, I started in July as a corporate chaplain working with those in the business world. If Joseph worked for uh, our company... He'd probably be in our plant in Cartersville or in one of our plants in Virginia Beach, and I'd be seeing him fairly frequently. He would be that person on the floor making and molding and shaping the, the ACM, the pieces of, uh, of material that were used in the signs that we build up. He was set to take over his father's business. And now <clears throat> everything he was building, everything he saw 
was beginning to fall apart. And how can he save it? Again, going back, he could be the just man. So he asks, what can I do? He could do nothing and let the community handle it when it comes to light. But that's going to be super embarrassing. It's also going to be super painful because at least Mary will probably be executed, if not Mary and Joseph. It poses a risk for both. He could divorce her immediately as the law allowed. For sadly, in that day, a male could divorce a female for anything as innocuous as burning the toast for breakfast. All he had to do is say, I'm done. And the marriage was over. But then that still puts Mary at risk for infidelity because the question would come up just a month or two later. How would Mary pregnant? Or he could, as we read in the passage, quietly divorce her. Send her away to somebody, maybe to some remote family member, maybe back to Elizabeth. But send her away somewhere where nobody in the community, nobody in the family would know what's going on. That was the decision he had arrived at. After wrestling through these decisions, he fell asleep. And then he had a dream. Oftentimes we're put in situations like Joseph's, aren't we? where there's no clear way out. There may be three or four or five different possibilities we could take, and all of them have something negative tied to it. All of them can hurt somebody or hurt us or hurt the business, hurt something in some way. And no matter what our decision is, it never seems to turn out exactly like we think it should. Our lives... We know as these situations come, our lives are going to be changed and there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. We learn like Joseph from the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 2, which reads, All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. We look at our lives, our situations, and feel we've got it all figured out, only to realize and find that we really don't know. In fact, we know far less than we think we know. Though we, so we must trust in the Lord at this time. At this time of year, are you finding the song in your heart sounds more like Elvis's version of Blue Christmas than it does the biggest choir you've ever heard singing Joy to the World? <clears throat> That's where Joseph was and where many of us are today. But take heart, God is at work. Here are three things we can see and we can learn quickly from, from Joseph to help change the song in our heart. First, open up the word of God and see how he changes and changed others. Psalm 119.50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word has quickened me. Or Psalm 119.170, let my supplication come before you, deliver me according to your word. Open up God's word and see God at work in these lives. Even in this passage, look at it, read it, and see how by the end, God has worked in Joseph such that he is excited to be, be obedient to him. Secondly, stop trying to go it alone. We say that we have a church family for a reason. Our family is here to be just that family to us to be part of our life and for us to be part of the church's life. And so we're never alone. We have other brothers and sisters who are just like us and dealing with the issues just like we are. 
We may deal with them in different ways. We may have different subtitles going on, but we all are dealing with issues. We all have to deal with life and death. We all have to deal with sickness and health. We all have to deal with good thoughts and bad thoughts. So don't go it alone. It's not a weakness to ask for help, counsel, or guidance. Again, the Proverbs tell us, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Remember the old song, that's what friends are for? Here, we see the, the writer of Proverbs telling us that very thing. Thirdly, pray, then pray, and then pray some more. The Apostle Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You're wrestling with these issues of life that you don't understand and you don't know how to apply. Go to the Lord and cast it upon him and he will grant you that peace in that day. We read in verse 19 that Joseph was wrestling with all of this. In verse 20 says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. I don't know about you, but when I've had those situations where my mind is just racing all over the place trying to figure it out. Sleep was the last thing that would happen to me. I have trouble sleeping in those times. My mind gets going, and I'm up all night thinking about every possible scenario. Most of them are wacky and would never happen, but those are the ones I seem to be drawn to. I can't imagine Joseph falling asleep, but I think I really believe that that was a God thing. He was wrestling with it. He'd come to a decision of where he thought he should go. And the Lord said, saying, I want to show you something. And speaking to Joseph as he did most of the non-prophets throughout Scripture who received messages from God, he, God allows Joseph, and you might even say puts Joseph to sleep, so that he could then speak to him and share with him this message. Because he... If he's like anything at all like me, going to sleep with all of this going on would have been tough. And what we see as we look at that is the Lord doesn't always work as we expect. Being righteous, Joseph had resolved what to do, what was righteous in his eyes. And it's set forth with that, and then God gave him this peace. He decided he wanted to glorify God, even if that meant, for whatever good or bad reasons, sending away his wife. He was wrestling with the civil religious law and the law of the heart of God. We had the civil law, the letter of the law, which prescribed divorce and punishment. But then we have the heart law, the spirit of the law, prescribed to loving his life, his wife, and doing what would ultimately keep her safe. Thus he resolved to divorce her quietly. His solution, not God's. Problem solved, Joseph was somehow able to sleep. 
And then he has this dream and the angel of the Lord. And I begin, I again believe that here Gabriel comes to him and brings this message that shakes everything all up. Look at that message. Joseph, son of David. As we talked about last week, look at the connection there to David to whom was promised that the eternal king would reign in his name and his family, his, his throne would never cease. And now we see Joseph connected there too so that no matter your argument, well, they're just using the, the Hebraic lineage or well, they're just using the, the, uh, the, the, the Latin or the Greek lineage, both of them, both sides of the family are tied to David in that promise. But the angel says to him in the very same phrase that he used with Mary, do not fear. Do not have a phobia. Don't be afraid of what's going on. Don't be afraid of what's going to happen. When we talk about the fear of God, and if you ever heard the phrase, a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman, it doesn't mean we're afraid of God like we're, we're afraid of dying or afraid of getting hurt. I always tell folks, it, to me, it, my understanding of that, of that phrase is that our fear is not of something, but of not having something, that is the Lord. And here, day, J- Joseph's being reminded, do not be afraid of the working of God. Do not be afraid of being without God either. Do not fear. This isn't a nightmare. This is a p- message from the Lord. The psalmist writes, let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. And Paul writes in Romans 5, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The angel comes to him, do not be fearful. Do not be afraid. Why? The baby she conceived is not from any man. So Joseph, your fears are unfounded. Your fears of man are unfounded. You don't have to fear that. There was no adultery. There was no fornication. There was no sin there. She did not sin, for this baby is not of any man. It's from the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying to Joseph is, Joseph, this is a God thing. You can't control it, and you can't stop it. So don't be afraid to let God work. can't tell you how often I'm, I, I wrestle with that very thing. God's at work, and yet I'm more scared of self than of God, and so I fight against it. Joseph told, don't. Don't be afraid. This is a God thing. He will save his people from their sin. This phrase alone is worth the price of that dream. And at the same time, this phrase has more doctrine built in it than, many, than most of us could handle. Here's Joseph. Just being told the most devastating news he could hear about in his, his life at that moment. His wife is pregnant. It's not his child. But it's God's doing And this child will be the savior of the world. 
And enfolded within this statement is a twofold promise to Joseph and to us. First, there's that, the promise for the people to come. It looks forward. He will save the people from their sin. Me, you, all of us who are his people will be, have been saved because of Jesus Christ. But then it's also second a, a promise for Joseph, the faithful servant, a child of the king. Probably wasn't thinking about it at that time, but the, the, what the angel was conveying to him is, you, my son, are a child. Your sins will be forgiven. You are not better than Mary, nor are you worse than Mary, but you were loved just like Mary. And I've called you for a special purpose. Because he will save. A promise for the present, but also a promise for the future. But a promise with certainty. He's going to do it and nothing can stop God from doing that. God does not promise what he will not do. I encourage us to think about that in relation to our own salvation. We're not partially saved now here. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been saved. It's a, an ongoing process. We will see the fullness of that salvation in that final day when we stand before the Lord. Then we will see what it's all fully meant. But we are saved now through Jesus Christ. With the certain hope of seeing the fullness of that in that final day. What a promise. He will save his people. Well, the salvation of Jesus, the salvation Jesus brings is sufficient to save all people. He would do no more or less to save all mankind. It is effective for his people. His people. The stark realization and, and sometimes uncomfortable realization that there are some people outside of the kingdom of God. That's hard. If you've got family members, loved ones who don't believe, you know how hard that is. Wrestling with what's, what will happen if. We know the certainty of being in Christ we will be saved. What that statement also implies, though, is there's a, a certainty of not being in Christ, that you will not be saved. And that is hard. But note here, at no time do we read of Joseph questioning if he is one of the people. He's as sure as we can be. The angel's speaking to him. The angel's telling him, God's at work. Not just in Mary's life. I'm here to tell you God's at work in your life. You are one of his people. And so you will be saved. Saved from what? From their sin. Though in 
Though Mary's conception in the world's eyes was sinful, for she had to have had relationship with somebody to be pregnant, even if it was true, it can and would be forgiven. The Bible tells us there's only one unforgivable sin, does it not? The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. All other sin can be forgiven. Even Joseph's. And in that statement, he's saying, Joseph, my son, your sin will be forgiven by your son, Jesus, who will live and die and rise again for you, just as he does for all of his people. His people will be saved, forgiven of their sin. All of this takes place, we read, to fulfill the word of the Lord. Verse 23 is a quote that we heard earlier in the service from Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. A gentle reminder that God never forgets his promises. His promise was made to Israel hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. And now we see the angel reminding Joseph that the promise made hundreds of years ago will be fulfilled in your son and in your life. And it ends with this gentle reminder of God's presence in Joseph's dream, in the promised Messiah, and in our lives. If Jesus... Emmanuel is present in our lives, then God is with us. Now, can you see the change in the music in Joseph's heart? His song of, of lament is now being changed to a song of victory and glory. His song of sorrow is being changed to a song of praise. So I ask you, what will you do when it's your time to deal with these tough issues of life? When you're faced to hear the song and deal with the song of lament within your own heart, how did Joseph react to the new song that he heard? He began, we began this passage seeing him lamenting and in sorrow, and then we see it ending with rejoicing and praising. And what does he do? Look at verse 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Again, I see three things that Joseph did here that we can, we can learn from. First, he immediately did what he was commanded. He woke, and he took Mary. He completed the betrothal. What that implies is within days of this happening, they had the ceremony, and they officially become man and wife. He didn't wait. He didn't drag it out to say, let's just see what happens here. He did it immediately. He took her home to finalize the wedding and the marriage, and he acted on what God had shown him and told him to do. That's the hardest part often is taking that first step. 
for us when we're dealing with problems, dealing with issues, and we're wrestling with that song of sorrow and trying to, to see our hearts change to a song of joy. We have to begin taking that first step, whatever it may be. Maybe it's making the call to the relative we've been away from for years. Maybe it's going to the boss and talking to them about the, the hardship of, of the workplace. Maybe it's, it's just going next door and telling the neighbor you're sorry for whatever it was you said or did. But take that first step. Second, we read here that he did nothing to hinder the work of God. But he knew her not until she had given birth to her son. He had been told that this was a God thing. And so he did nothing to stand in the way of the work of God. He was letting God continue that work. He didn't consummate the marriage as he had the right to do. Or do anything else that would hinder God's glory. So that when this child was born, at least for Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth, the others who knew, there was no way to say anybody had any part except for God. That this was indeed a God thing. And in doing nothing, he did everything. For when Christ was finally born, the only explanation, the logical explanation that was left was that God had brought this about. What's there in your life? that you need to kind of get out of the way and let God do. Third thing he did was he called his name Jesus. In the culture of the day, your name meant something. It painted a picture of who you are and what you were to do. And we read in the passage, he's to name him Jesus. Uh, we saw that last week, God will save here he shall be called Emmanuel, the tying the two together. How are we saved? By God with us. The male and the couple had the privilege of, of naming the child. But here with Joseph, with the angel talking to Joseph, we see actual confirmation because if you remember last week's passage, Mary was told that that's what his name would be. Now, she wasn't told to name him that. Joseph was given the t- was told to name him that. Because it was Joseph's responsibility. So Jesus then was not just a name that he picked and pulled from somewhere, but a description of his purpose and mission for life. Jehovah saves. Joseph's song changed through this one dream. He went from being a man of sorrows to singing the praise of the king. And I wonder, what song are you singing today? Are you stuck and focused on your life? Work has become humdrum. Family life has become the same. You just try to get through each day as one monotonous day following the other, just hoping you will make it. Singing the song of constant sorrows. To you, I say, receive the gift of grace that Jesus brings and offers and sing a song of glory. For the promise is that Jesus will save. He will take you and help you overcome. He will 
give you the strength to persevere and to carry through. He will be there as the ever-present help in times of trouble. He will give you a peace which surpasses all understanding. So change that song from sorrow to glory. Are you torn by the things of your life and your hopes for the future? I encourage you to stop singing the songs for the future and, and hear the song in the present. The first sermon I preached to you all was Zephaniah 3.17. You remember the passage? The Lord, your God, is in your midst. A mighty one, here's that phrase again, who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Here now in the future, we see God is at work in four ways. He's with you, ever present. He will save you. He will rejoice over you. He will quiet you. He will exalt you. And so let me close by asking you these questions. Do you know that presence of the Lord with you right now? Do you sing the songs of rejoicing with gladness back to him or with him? Do you hear the song he's singing to you now? And do you find your rest in Jesus Christ? If you can answer yes to all of those, praise God. This should be a joy of jubilance, a day of jubilance singing, a year of jubilance singing. But if you can't, come and talk with me afterwards or, or one of the elders and let us, let us help you see the grace and the mercy we find in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. For as Joseph was told, we are told also, Jesus will save his people from their sin. Has he saved you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for the promises we find in it, the life that we find in you. I pray for those who are present today, if there's anyone here who does not know you, that today would be the day of their salvation. But for those of us who do, may we hear the song of rejoicing and sing along with you at the top of our lungs for all your glory. And may we sing that song out into the world that others may know that Jesus has come to save his people from their sin. Father, call your people to yourself today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.